Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Matt. And Nikki. We have Dave Ridley on the line. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. RidleyReport.com. What's on your mind? Well, uh, you can get. I wanted to kind of give you my experience from the the Ian sentencing. Okay. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, hopefully I have some, some ideas that other people haven't thought of. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I got there about eight 30, um, and the, the, uh, event was scheduled in the, the sentencing was at 10, 10 AM. Um, and, uh, what was interesting was there was an unusually large number of federal people just kind of outside, you know, pop, popping in and out of their cars and stuff like that, you know, security and whatnot. Um, and so that, uh, I did give me a chance to ambush interview probably 10 feds. You did, um, yeah. Over the, oh. over about in a one hour period. That's great. Um, did any and, of them uh, talk to you, or did they? Are any ahead. of them capable of speech? <laughs> yes, and some of them had nice demeanor, you know, and others were kind of dismissive. And I, I guess I I was able to complete my first ambush interview of an FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, that's like a bucket list item. <laughs> well, which yeah, one do you know? It's a, it's, it's a bucket list. It's probably not real good for my health, but it's, yeah. it's been completed now. Um, I'm sorry, what? Uh, do you know the name? No, I didn't get his name. I didn't know he was FBI until after he went in. I'm, I'm not positive that he was FBI. It's just that his car said that he was FBI. Okay. Well, um, yeah. so are those going to be up on RedleyReport.com on Odyssey and Rumble? Uh, Odyssey and BitChute. BitChute, yeah. Yeah, I'm still processing the video. I shot a whole lot of video this week, and it's getting complicated. I also I got pulled over on the way to the court, and the, uh, uh, yeah, that's interesting what happened there, too. But um, yeah, I guess the other thing was, um, I guess, t- so turnout was 80. Is that correct? Um, I just kind of guessed that. Somebody else said 100. It seemed like it was definitely less than the first um, sentencing hearing to me, but not by a lot. The and the first sentencing hearing had definitely over a hundred. So I just kind of oh, there was a lot of people there. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I would gauge it at about the same, hmm. maybe even more. I, I'm bad at that though. You know, I'm bad at like how many jelly beans is in this jar. I'm not yeah. good at that sort of thing. So, and I also did not take a head count. Yeah, this time I didn't. Last time I did. So I don't know. I don't really know. But it was a great turnout though, and yeah. I was kind of. I didn't know how that would go. Because it got postponed two weeks, and you know, sometimes people are like, "Well, you know, I already showed up the first time." So it was nice to see some of the same faces. Some new faces were there, so yeah. you know, maybe people who wanted to go that it just wasn't on a good day for them. So it was nice. Yeah, and if the listener doesn't know what we're talking about, I kind of didn't say we're talking about Ian Freeman's sentencing hearing, where on Monday he got sentenced to eight years in prison for selling Bitcoin to people who wanted to buy Bitcoin from him, and then change their mind later. Um, he's a host of the show and he's my husband and it's really messed up and we're all really upset about it. And the government has been prosecuting him about this for over two years. He has been on an ankle monitor and just other home confinement and being punished before being convicted and also after being convicted for almost a year before getting um, sent to jail today, and no, he only gets 69 days credit for the days when he first got arrested in 2021. Yeah, he doesn't so, get any credit for the rest. Yeah, so um, and me and Zephan were actually 
talking about this outside the courthouse, um, you know, right after the sentencing, um, you would think, I mean, it would be fair. I mean, if he's on home confinement, he has to, you know, do all of these things. He has a probation officer, all this stuff, right? Like, this is very inconvenient. Shouldn't that count for something? I would say so. You know, right. like, you know this the, the, the judge, there's going to be a lot of people who say, oh, he, he you know, did his job, uh, you know, by the book. That judge was biased, and I don't mm. care what anybody says. He was a biased judge. Right. He's playing the role. We got to remember. Well, they all, all are. We got to remember that all judges are lawyers. Yep. Yes. And at the end of the day, you're looking at like a 99.9 percent chance that lawyer is the same thing as a scumbag. And he used to be a, not just any lawyer, but a um, prosecutor. Prosecutor. Yeah. Well, isn't aren't they all? Seventy five percent of federal judges come from the prosecution side, not the defense. Yeah, side. so that doesn't sound no. very and, fair and, to and me. And I knew, I knew this guy. He's he's a absolute Yahoo. I knew that he was biased the second I heard him refer to Ian talking to Ian as. You people. Hmm. That was I, at a hearing I, a long time ago, right? I, I, yeah, it was, it was quite was a while ago. during the trial. During the trial. Oh. He said, you know, I looked up what you people believe. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You people? So, Ian is you people? Wow. I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think as far as federal judges go, you know, I don't know any personally, really. Um, but I think he was rather fair compared to what it could have been. I'm not saying, you know, obviously, like... They got everything wrong here. You know, he I went, don't think Ian should spend a day in prison, well, never mind eight years. But I do think it could have been like the, the sentencing guidelines was like over 200 months. Well, the thing is, the sentencing guidelines are guidelines. He could have smoked. He could he could have well, done time, nothing. He, he yeah, could have exactly. smashed his gavel and said time served. He didn't have a good life. But what judge would have done that? Like just being realistic here. I mean, like this is the, the state. I hate trying to say there's a silver lining lining to my friend and your husband being in prison right now. But the fact is, every time the government puts away a libertarian, they basically just planted a cancer cell in their own body. Because when you go into a prison and you start teaching the prisoners the yeah. real story of how they got their Rich Paul's epic at it. Rich mm. Paul, oh, I'm sure. Rich, yeah. Rich Paul in jail makes, he basically makes, I mean, a lot of the people were in there, their brains aren't always functioning, but the ones who are like, holy, holy crap, I never really looked at it that way. Next thing you know, you got somebody who's really peed off at the state for a whole different reason than they ever thought of. And it's a way more genuine, honest reason than they, they ever even thought of before. When you take somebody like Ian Freeman, who is one of the most eloquent people? I don't know if that's even the right word. Just he's just he's elegant in his thought and his speech, and he is very easy to listen to, and he is very knowledgeable about the topic of freedom. And to take someone like him and put him in a federal prison, oh my God, that's even, kind of a problem. And uh, and I think that's a that's a heck of a silver lining. Right Not there. even just the other prisoners that will be around, which is already, you know, pretty cool enough, but just anybody else who's been affected by this at all, mm-hmm. their perspective has changed a lot. Like, for example, my sister and my mom. My sister was, you know, standing outside the courthouse crying. I wasn't even crying yet. And um I went up and I was like comforting her. And she was like really, really bawling, crying. And later she told me just that image of like 10 police officers rushing up on Ian and handcuffing him. It's terrifying, yeah. She said it just made her 
have this extreme feeling of like I should be doing something because yep. Ian's always doing something yep. and now he's getting taken away. I feel she said I feel guilty that I haven't been doing things like and that this is the consequence. And um my mom, she said she's sorry that she believed things about him that she read whenever she first found out about him. It's not like I was hiding him, but <laughs> anyways, um that she first believed things that she read when she like after the raid and she started Googling his name, she said she's sorry for that and that she'll, because of this whole thing, she'll never again believe the media about what they say about people when they're like in trouble with the law. And you know, it's just two people, but it's just two really good examples. Mm. You know, another thing I think of when I think about Ian going to prison is, and this is another silver line and I hate to say it, but they probably couldn't have picked a better person for it. And the reason why is I have never in the, all the years I've known Ian get in trouble with the law. Never has he backed off. Hmm. He has, if there's anybody in the Liberty movement that is not going to lay down, I would understand if he did, but it's Ian Freeman. If anybody's going to push something like this to the Supreme Court, yeah. it'll be Ian Freeman. Yeah, I really hope that his appeals win. Um, that would be basically the best. It's kind of funny because that's Ian's idea of the best case scenario. Like For sure. Not and it is. just, oh, I hope that they all got dropped before trial and I don't have to go through going to prison. No, his like best case scenario is getting found guilty of money transmitting and then the Supreme Court saying, actually, Bitcoin is not transmitted. Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Miss Bonnie. Sister Nikki, Brother Matt, good evening. Good evening, sir. Well, uh, upon listening to last night's call that I struggled through, uh, I heard you say, Miss Bonnie, that you had questions. Now, whatever questions they may be, no matter what they may be, I may have simple answers. Um, what do you mean? Well, about concerning my call about how I was screwed out of stem cell research because I was Ricky from the Commonwealth. I don't know. You kind of the, said that you didn't know the answers to no, those questions. No, I do know. I know. Oh, it was definitely that. There's no doubt about it. You know. Well, that really you, sucks. It does. It does. And I know one thing I'll answer for you. Would it have cured me? Absolutely. Uh, and now, being that I I have so little uh, cables left, and I'm totally blind, I would not be an applicant. I mean, there are that what that was at that level, 2,400, uh, and and you know the associated side effects. That's the limits of that. Okay, so you know? if like the listeners don't know what Ricky's talking about, he called in last night to say basically because of cancel culture, he was denied access to. The stem cell, like, um, research type. Or More not like research, a treatment, right? Treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Like an experimental treatment? Yeah, experimental, that's what I meant. Um, and there was this, like, private company that could have let him do it, but he said um, it, it was pretty clear after talking to the woman that told him he wasn't an applicant that it was because of who he was, because he already was, uh, you say, pretty vocal about your opinions and stuff like that. And You know, that sucks. That's... Uh, a terrible thing. I feel like the government's definitely to blame because if they, you know, just approved anyone to do whatever medical stuff they wanted and then um, you had to prove yourself to be a good doctor, if more people could be doing the stem cell research, you know, 
But Bonnie, that would be the wild west of medicine. <laughs> we would all die. And the craziest part about that theory, though, because a lot of people, they're like, well, we need doctors and nurses to have licenses because how else? Like, we at least need a threshold of like, you at least need to be like this competent to be able to practice. But I personally know people, um, you know, I know someone that lives in the state of Connecticut that is, you know, has her own practice that um, is extremely dangerous and Mm. has, you know, had several complaints filed against her for her like personal practice. And this person is still licensed in this. Well, I I don't think they have licensure in Connecticut for this particular thing. But Mm. regardless, like she still holds her title. Yeah. And that has not been removed. So it's like... The government's not protecting anyone. Yeah, and this person's, you know, completely dangerous, completely negligent, and she just, like, does not... Is not competent in her field, but yet still, she's still practicing legally. Could you imagine if there was just, like, competitive private credentialing services or people were credentialed coming right out of the... Oh, you graduated Harvard Medical School? That says a lot. What medical school did you graduate? Oh, I graduated NYU Medical School. Oh, Cornell, well, yeah, like so, yeah, like people would be like, "Oh, okay, so those are." And if those schools started graduating people who didn't deserve to graduate, it would start to impact their reputation, yeah. and nobody would want a doctor that came from that place. Those guys yeah. would be getting shipped to you know the Arctic Circle. We teased at the beginning a story from AP, um, APnews.com. It's about this guy, a prime minister in the UK, that wants to raise the legal age to buy cigarettes in England, so eventually no one can. And I was a little That's confused strange. about that. Yeah. It didn't make sense. I was what, like, they're going to raise it to like 100? 300 years older. Yeah. But um, Ian told me, because I was on the phone with him right before the show, that um, Australia already did this. And basically, what they did is anyone born after oh. 2000 or something like so that. So you're like grandfathered in. So if yep. you're already a smoker, it's fine. And I think that might be what they're doing here. What so. if that has anything to do with their socialist medical system where they're tired of paying for people with bad habits? Maybe. Mm. So so I learned, so at one of the hospitals I worked at, um, you weren't allowed to smoke. So they actually nicotine tested me, which I didn't even know was a thing until I was applying for this job. Yeah. But they nicotine test everyone that is applying there. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, well, we're nurses, whatever. It's a medical facility. It's a hospital. It's a no no tobacco premises. So mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, oh, they don't want nurses that are going on smoke breaks and coming to the hospital smelling like cigarettes. You know, that's what I just assumed. You know, that just made sense to me. But then I found out from someone that it was actually because of their insurance, because the insurance would have been, you know, more expensive if they were, cause, you know, you asked, they ask you, like, how old are you? Do you smoke? Do you have any pre-existing conditions? So they were able to save money by having none of their like nicotine testing everybody Makes and sense. have. Hmm. But sense. I, I that's just not like what popped in my mind at first. My, like, my, it does my, make my sense, next question but... is: what when are they going to start doing the body mass index thing in order on hmm. upon hiring? Yeah, yeah. Today I went to a hospital to see my friend's baby that was just born on the third, and um, I noticed that sign that said this is a tobacco-free mm-hmm. campus. Campus. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if it's the same thing here in Keene. Um, but let's get into the story. It says UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on Wednesday proposed raising the legal age that people in England can buy cigarettes by one year every year until it is eventually illegal for the whole population and smoking will hopefully be phased out among young people. I don't know. 
It just seems so immoral to me. Like, people should be able to smoke if they want, and they should be able to buy whichever ones they want that, you know, don't have all this crap in them. And the FDA just allows, you know, like, rat feces or whatever. Benzene. I feel like that's the main reason why cigarettes are bad for you. It's not because of tobacco. It's the additives, and that's why, like, the American spirits are a little bit better, or you can pretend Nicotine itself is kind of a poison. Nicotine's an extremely powerful poison. Say that about uh, caffeine. Yeah, but nicotine, like... Well, I'm sure it's worse. Yeah, it's it's extremely... Like, the amount of nicotine that they have to put in a huge batch of tobacco is, you know, is an additive. Some mm. of it's naturally found in the tobacco, obviously, but... But the, all the other additives, though. Yeah. It's, the stuff, really, really it's the pesticides it. it's sprayed with. You know, it's the same as food. Like, I mean, they don't know? want that stuff to mold, right? Sitting in a pack because mm. it's moist tobacco. Seems like it would probably mold. They dry it. It's not moist. It's, cigarette tobacco isn't moist? It is It is moist. That's the sign of like a dried out cigarette. It's awful. I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. I thought they dry it out and then it I could mean, get drier. Well, they hang yeah, it to that's... dry it. It's not like a raw leaf. You know, I mean, it's... either way, like, yeah, it's a disgusting habit and you shouldn't do it, but you should still be able to. Yeah, yeah. you should be able to if you want to. You know? Yeah, I tell Reitman whenever I see him, you know, 1977 called and wants his terrible habit back. Yeah, you he's know. not, uh, I don't think he's doing it, uh, actual cigarettes anymore, like just vapes. Yeah, that's okay. It no, the vapes cooler. are worse. So another another quick story at the healthcare facility I work at now, um, we give the the patients that are there like designated smoke breaks, um, and I've noticed like the cigarette smokers are like chill, they're normal, they can just you know exist, but the vape smokers, mm. since they're used to at home having access to it twenty four seven, I know people that vape in their sleep, yeah. literally. Oh I'm not even joking. What? And people like if they lose their vape, they absolutely freak out they're they're you know flipping things over i know people i've I've literally had several people tell me this i don't leave the house without four of my vapes and two chargers oh my god because they will be hard pressed to not have it for like even a second so i i just whatever is in the vapes has to be worse than cigarettes i agree i've because, seen that before and, yeah doing it more and cigarette smokers are not like that and i had a patient recently who woke up and he was like already like he was having a panic attack and he was like, seriously, like I need to stop vaping because like this isn't normal. And he was causing a scene. He was yelling at people. And like as he was like having this episode, he was also like, I'm so sorry. This isn't me. Like it was almost Whoa. like he was possessed. It was the My craziest God. thing I've ever seen. Wow. So I've heard a, actually several people actually that were addicted to hard drugs like heroin, fentanyl, meth crack, like whatever, hard drug, you know, in, insert hard drug here. Um, they said that cigarettes was way harder to... I've heard that to, uh, It's like way more addictive. And I don't know if it's, ju- you know, just because it's it's legal and it, it's not really like mind altering, I guess. And, you know, like, oh, it's just not as bad. And, a cigarette but, um, addiction is so, like a, a cigarette is such a passive thing. It's this yes, little thing that you hold you in your fingers. It. You know, it's just you can't there. It doesn't, eat without it. doesn't weigh anything. It's, uh, you know, it's very, you know, nothing to look at. It's not, you know, but then, then you just, it makes you feel calm and takes yeah. the edge off and you just kind of light well, one it's up like without that, thinking that about habit, it. Well, it's like that habit, right? It's like, it's like breathing air. So you it wake is. up in the morning, smoke a cigarette, eat breakfast. After that, you smoke it. Like, it's like people, people have to. And if you're like a half pack a day, pack a day smoker, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a lot of smoke breaks throughout the day and mm-hmm. kind of breaking that habit and yeah. that like constant rush of nicotine in your brain i mean it's it's really difficult you know, i remember people. when i was little I, i'll never forget when they banned and there was a stink about it 
they banned um, TV commercials for cigarettes. You couldn't have. Oh yeah, I I remember it. What do you two cap captains over there nodding his head? And there was a stink about it. It was a big deal. And um, and then people were worried that they were going to make them take Skull off the race cars and Marlboro oh, yeah. off the race cars, which... I mean... Did they do? Well, no, I think they're still racing. Mar- the Marlboro cars are still yeah. going strong. But um, what's interesting to me is that this war against the big tobacco has been going on for a long time. And a lot of people have quit tobacco. Yeah. And I'm all for that. You should quit, quit tobacco. But... Um, what I'm curious about is how a pack of smokes is still fairly cheap. With uh, like, cheap, it's fifteen dollars a pack. If you think about inflation wise, though, so. yeah, it's, you're it's right. really, really, really cheap because like when they're 10 turning cents out a pack, yeah. You know, back well, in the day. well, what I'm saying is when they're turning out billions and billions and billions of packs because every like the the doctor that's delivering your wife's child is smoking a cigarette while yeah. he's delivering, yeah. the child, you know, hmm. that back in those days. The amount of cigarettes that were being turned out was in, just enormous. Yeah. So now that hardly anybody smokes anymore, I can't believe they can get them to market for less than yeah. fifteen bucks a pack. Or you know, that's, that's actually surprisingly a good point. cheap. There's like um, I used to work at the Mighty Moose Mart here in Keene, and um, there was a brand called Crowns that like yeah. all of the like chorus people. Yeah, they're buy. like the cheap, yeah, nasty the, the ones. floor sweepings. Yeah. They're like four dollars and fifty cents. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. That shocked me. But well, and like, like cigarettes are pretty cheap in New Hampshire because we don't have yeah. as much tax. We have Major Payne on the line. Major Payne in Michigan. What's on your mind? Hi, Bonnie. Well, I wanted to touch on a couple, three topics. One was the tobacco. Two was uh, Biden's turnabout. And uh, three was a whole nationwide infestation of bug, bed bugs. So but let's start with the tobacco. Um, almost 15 years ago, I started rolling my own cigarettes because on the factory-made cigarettes, they started putting fire retardant. If you held it underneath the black light, oh, you could yeah. see the swirls of patterns on them. And I'm thinking that's about the same time they started spraying PFOS on the McDonald's wrappers and all the other mm-hmm. food. What's that? So it's like a forever PFOS. chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's yeah, in yeah. Um, it's the been, nonstick it's cookware. Been, mm-hmm. It's been proven to cause every, every 10 years, they come out with another 10 things that it causes some, you know, different cancers and whatnot. Oh yeah. They yeah. Just, all sorts of stuff. Just, the air force just finally got out their lazy ass and started doing a cleanup down here in Oscoda which is an air base that they had to sell probably 20 years ago because it was so bad. They pretty much gave it away to Connie Coletta Air. I mean, pennies on the dollar. But uh, anyway, yeah, I started rolling my own because I knew that they don't put as many chemicals in the uh, pipe tobaccos as they do the cigarette tobaccos. Hell, when people first started smoking tobacco in this country, the only additive they put on it was they'd spray it with some apple or some pear juice because tobacco is just too damn bitter to smoke by itself. It doesn't taste good if you just pick it off the plant and dry it and smoke it. Right? I didn't know that. Me either. Yeah. Well, the reason nothing else tastes like a Marlboro Red is because they put a little cocoa powder in it. No. Are you serious? I mean, Marlboro Reds are kind of disgusting, though. They're, like, super strong. But anyway, when I roll my own, they cost me a buck a pack. Hmm. Nice. That's that's about what I was because I was when I quit smoking I was rolling my own at the time too. 
Isn't that, that's like the way every, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, I'm going to quit, but maybe if I do rollies, I'll just smoke yeah. less. And then you yeah. like become like a machine rolling these cigarettes. And yeah. it's like, huh, how'd that work out for you? Yeah. I never did that. I well, um, just, I was smoking Marlboro menthols, or I think they're called Marlboro smooths, Marlboro smooth menthols, something like that. And um, I just needed them to taste like, not really like a cigarette, just like burning yeah. gum or something. Well, some people buy those little electronic machines. I knew one guy that had a hopper gizmo. He could dump a whole box of tubes in one side and a few claws full of tobacco in the other side, and it would spit you out of the carton of smoke. That's That's pretty cool. It's hardcore. But the guys that get these little uh, handmade jobs, I mean, they'll sit around and they'll make 20, 30 cigarettes, whatever they need for their day's ration, (laughs) and take them with them to work. I just got one of those little hand stuffers. And if I don't have time to sit down and make a smoke, well, I guess I don't get a smoke. Hmm, yeah. Because I don't have it right handy in my top pocket. Yep, you're smoking right? a little less if you, you know, roll them by hand or with your little contraption where you just roll the contraption, right? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. I mean, because you got to basically, my, my, my buddies used to call it my purse. I'd take an old <laughs> tube box and I'd put a handful of tubes in one end. And my little stuffer thing in That's there. That's right. And then a sandwich bag of tobacco. So sure. I always had to carry it on my little purse. Yeah. <laughs> so they made fun of me for that. But, I mean, that only lasts so long. I can take, I can take and get dog for stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. But anyway, um, what Biden has done is uh, deactivated 28 laws that he has enacted during his term here. And he's going to put... Another 20 miles of border wall along the uh, Rio Grande. Whoa. And he says, oh, the funds are already appropriated. Well, you know who appropriated them? Trump. And they stuck them in a shoebox in the closet the whole damn time. And they took all the materials that he had purchased to build the wall and sold them for scrap at, you know, maybe 10 cents on the dollar. So, I mean, the... the the right hand don't know what the left hand's doing. The more interesting part about this to me is uh, Biden isn't as pro-open border as people act like, and, um, you know, he isn't as different from Trump as people act like. Well, as as Trump to had a mind of his own. Biden is a tool. Biden yeah. is a fucking uh, marionette. Yeah, totally. I mean, Donald Trump has never walked in a circle holding his hand out waiting for somebody to shake it. Donald Trump walks up to people who want their hand shook and shakes that hand. Exactly. Joe Biden I mean, walks into the absolute blue sky and will shake somebody's hand that isn't standing there. Oh, yeah, there was like a ghost he shook the hand of He's once. done that a lot. He's done well, it he a is, concerning uh, you know, amount of times. Uh, closer to the veil, as they say. <laughs> yeah. One thing that's interesting about what Joe Biden did most recently is in the last two days, one day today or yesterday, Joe Biden appointed Seth Aframe to become... Um, really? Yes, yeah, Seth Aframe, the prosecutor in Ian's case, that just happened to be promoted and be an appellate uh, judge. Joe oh, Biden did? Aframe's going to be an appellate court judge? Yes. An appellate court judge? Mm-hmm. Seth Aframe, so he cannot obviously hear Ian's no, appeal. that would not it's be... Huge conflict of interest. Yeah, so that's not... But still, but it's got that, a reward. That's more proof that they're, they're paying really close attention to this that case is, at it the does. top. That is, is so strange and because to me, Mark- I'm like, because at first I was like, Bonnie, Joe Biden has no clue who Ian is. Like, he does not care. Yeah. But that is, but but I would also say, okay, Joe Biden has no clue who Seth Aframe is. You know what I mean? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, he's just some random prosecutor from New Hampshire. When I saw it, I immediately That's sent it weird. to Mark, and what? I just said, "This is more evidence of your that is claim." Strange, to, but to to well, you know what that is evidence of that it's very important to make note of for everybody who is into individual freedom is that the people at the top are paying really close attention to crypto and they're not saying anything about it because it scares the crap out of them and there is not a whole lot they can do about it it's the might cryptocurrency might be the most important tool mankind has had against its oppressors ever you can use it as a currency you can use it to have contracts with you can use it as a weapon that doesn't fire a shot and will take down goliaths yep um hillary clinton was quoted as saying that they're they're terrified of it or that it's extremely dangerous to the um to the united states something like that i wish yeah, i could find is. the exact quote it is and it's not just the united states it's da- it's dangerous to all it's dangerous to the banking empire. Yeah. yeah. Anything that's dangerous to the banking empire is dangerous to everything that the banking empire runs. The banking empire runs every government on earth. You had one other thing, uh, Major Payne. Yeah. As far as this judge getting appointed, I mean, if you dance like a good little circus dog, sooner or later they give you an extra biscuit. That's a that's fact. That's a fact. He got a biscuit but, um, because Joe Biden didn't get his hand shook. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Well, he's got he's, he's got a brain trust of a hundred libtards around him, and they're not going to let much slip through the cracks. But I, I digress on all that. Yeah, evidently France has a, a nationwide infestation of bed bugs. I saw that about so Paris at least. They're they're so bad that people are finding them crawling on the uh, subway and bus seats and whatnot. They don't even want to sit down on public transportation. But the bad thing about bed bugs is they're not like getting rid of the head lice or something that most people are used to or or familiar with, at least. I mean, with head lice, you wash all the bedding and, you know, you treat all the kids' head and kick the dog out for a week or whatever. I don't think dogs can even get them. No, but I, so. it, they're relatively simple to get rid of. Now, to get rid of these damn bed bugs, you got to treat everything and everybody, and then you got to bring in, like, a big old house balloon and massive heaters. you got to heat the house up to, I think, between 150 and 180 degrees for, like, two to four days. To kill these damn things. That or, and if you know, living, if you, if, and it, But if you're living in a unit that has adjacent walls or floors to another unit that's not going to get treated, you're going to get them again. Yeah, they're really bad. And I heard that um, in Paris, the mayor of Paris said no one is safe. Matt, I just wanted you to clarify um, at the end of the last segment, you said you think that Iraq needs to get bombed again or something like that i don't think you meant you want them to right well of course not but that's what happens every time a country tries to walk away from the dollar it's what used to happen and i think the you know dollar that's what happened here yeah do- dollar hegemony that's what happened here that's yeah, right literally that's what happened here i mean oh they didn't bomb us but yeah. they like smashed in the windows yeah and, and and for the people who are holding you know propping up the dollar I'm sure that that will come to an end as soon as whoever controls the dollar or the people who actually issue the dollars will, uh, you know, make wars go away on that front as soon as they choose a new 
world reserve currency. That's kind of why I chose this story and, and thought it was interesting because it just seems pretty um, brave, bold of the Iraqi central bank to decide, yeah, we're going to stop dealing with U.S. dollars, even if it's just cash for now. Seems like something that could get them bombed or, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Get this specific guy killed or something. It happened with Gaddafi, right? Gaddafi was... Uh... He was issuing, uh, or he was going to, he was planning to start a North African gold-backed currency. Oh, you can't do that. No, that was a big no-no. No, fiat only. Yeah. Where was that? What country was that? Libya. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like a, it seems like it would definitely get the attention of the United States government. So it just makes me think that Iraq feels they're in a position now where they won't get harmed because of this maybe because of um bricks yeah i mean i don't know it seems like for some reason maybe it's just because we live in the u.s but the united states military is touted as like you know this you know the the best military in the world right but then if you kind of look at the like scorecard when is the last time we've won a war like world war ii and that was our us just like Hey, you know, you guys are doing that thing over there. You know, that wasn't obviously like U.S. troops were over there, but that was mainly like they just France and, you know, that was like the U.K. mainly. Yeah. And everybody just kind of stopped because the U.S. dropped a couple of nukes and everybody said, well, we don't we don't we don't got that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we're just going to stop. uh, We're going to stop schoolyard bullying each other now. When is uh, when's. The last time after that, they don't. They they don't. I mean, the and they I'm not haven't sh- right. The U.S. No. hasn't won a war well, since World War Two. Sides of every war, yeah, so they won not, all of them. I'm not yeah, certain that not the, really. the point of you got you got to remember how much money is at stake when people go to war. Yeah, like, there is of course. so much. There's so. But much I'm work. just saying, these like, contractors, Halliburton. I mean, these giant. You know the the uh, the, the security companies. You know, Dyncor and and, and stuff like that. Well, yeah, of course. That's why there is war. That's why that's why war happens. Is very profitable. Exactly. But my thing is, how is the U.S. military like that? The U.S. is like this world superpower, but it's like, are they really? I don't think so. You know, (laughs) not anymore. At least I don't think so. We can't even get people to join the military. Farmer, like irregulars, like average dudes with guns, have been beating the snot out of world class militaries for centuries. Yeah, look, look look at the look at the revolutionaries in the in in the pre U.S. America because they really had something to fight for, and they absolutely took on not only the British military, but there were also Germans here. And the French were helping out a little bit, only out of spite against the British, yeah. but only early on and not very much. And, um, you know, they were mostly sending, you know, advisors over, you know, Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette and people like that. But the the dirty work was being done by absolute yeah, schmoes. Peasants. Total peasants. <laughs> like farm average boys. schmucks hiding behind a tree. You know, yeah. you watch The Patriot with Mel Gibson and he had a loaded yeah. musket hiding behind tons of trees and he would just work the land and wipe out squads. Mm-hmm. And uh, that still happens. And there are old timey, there, there's dudes all over the world that keep a close track of where the nearest bat caves are because they know they can make powder out of that bat dung. Yeah. And uh, they know how to do it. <laughs> and they're a problem. They're a problem for the average foot soldier. You know, some idiot 18 year old high school grad who just wants a Camaro out of the deal. He's going to yeah. go get his you know head blown off by some dude who means what he's doing. So, 
Yeah, maybe that's a good point. Maybe um, people aren't as afraid of the United States government anymore. Or I mean, it might be military. like, it, it seems like, you know, since Trump, you know, allegedly the word on the street is that we're a huge joke, right? And hmm. I don't think that uh, reputation got better. This story is from the Institute for Justice, um, dot com, no, dot org, IJ.org. Supreme Court signals interest in tackling government immunity. Retaliatory arrest and police immunity cases are getting a second look from the Supreme Court. So on Monday, the United States Supreme Court signaled it was taking a closer look at two of the Institute for Justice's cases involving rogue government officials violating constitutional rights of innocent Americans. By relisting the cases for consideration at its October 6th conference, the justices indicated that they are interested in issues involving immunity, accountability, and the enforceability of the First and Fourth Amendments. I'm a little confused because if that was October 6th, I don't know. Oh, they're going to consider them then, So, but this article came out on the 3rd. Out of more than 800 cases submitted and considered, the court only relisted 20. So two of those 20 are IJ cases. That's pretty interesting. The first case asks whether the First Amendment permits claims for retaliatory arrest when the government has fabricated probable cause for the arrest. Gonzalez versus Trevino, Trevino involves a septuagenarian, a, seven, a person in their 70s, a city councilwoman from Castle Hills, Texas, which is in the middle of San Antonio. And I used to drive by that every single night on the way to uh, go home. This city of Castle Hills picture that um, Mrs. Gonzalez is in front of in this picture. It's weird because it's like its own little town, but mm-hmm. it is in San Antonio. And um, like San Antonio police can arrest you there, but also they have their own police. I don't really know. Yeah, why I've heard that. of that. Um, like Boston has some of those. It's just on the highway. It's like. It's, you know, I, I'm trying to think of an example, but there are different... Like enclaves. Yeah. Kind of yeah, like it's Boston, but it's really this other place. Yeah. Um. I What's really interesting is the Castle Hills cops can't pull you over. Maybe I'm getting confused about Castle Hills and um Almost Park, but one time I had an Almost Park cop ch- chasing me in San Antonio. And once I got to like the end of this like road she stopped yeah they don't have jurisdiction but she wasn't chasing me with their lights on she was being weird she was like yeah. chasing me and flashing a flashlight at me and my friend it was so weird what? but so um, what's happening here sorry yeah i just wanted to say that i know where castle hills is and i used <laughs> to live there that's all but um the first case it's asking whether the first amendment permits claims for a retaliatory arrest when the government has fa- fabricated probable cause for the arrest gonzalez versus trevino involves a septuagenarian city councilwoman from castle hills texas Sylvia Gonzalez, um, who was thrown in jail for petitioning her government to remove the city manager, a political ally of the mayor and police chief. The mayor and police chief spent two months concocting bogus criminal charges against Sylvia to punish her for her speech. The Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals over dissents by prominent conservative judges granted qualified immunity to the officials though it expressed regret at having to do so. The case strikingly uh, is strikingly similar to what happened in Marion County when a police chief ordered a raid of the town's newspaper, and that's what we just... Um, oh, wait, that's not the same one. Um, never mind. I was thinking it was the one in Kansas, but no. This happens a lot. Apparently just happens a lot. Apparently, <laughs> I guess Marion County is in Texas. Um, quote, over in this country is allowing bad government actors 
to silence their critics by putting them in jail or raiding their homes. Qualified immunity allows these bad actors get, to get away with it, even though there is plenty of evidence that had it not been for speech, the arrest and the raid would not have happened. The woman's speech about, um, you know, her opinion that they should get rid of the city manager. Um, said Anya Bidwell, an attorney with IJ. Probable cause should not allow the um, laundering of First Amendment violations. In the second case, the question is whether police who violate the Constitution are immune just because the government itself cannot be sued under state law. In King versus Brownback, plainclothes task force um, officers brutally beat an innocent college student, James Keene, or King, after mistaking him for someone else. IJ is asking the Supreme Court to hear this police brutality case for the second time. IJ is asking the court to consider whether the failure of tort claims against the federal government cancel out constitutional claims against individual government employees. Not sure what that means, but anytime the cops can get um, held accountable for beating someone, sounds good. Nikki had a story about parents hitting their kids. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks ago on the Sunday night show, we were talking about circumcision. Um, and I'm not going to you know, say that every person on this show would say that circumcision is child abuse. But uh, Captain and I definitely were coming to that conclusion. Yeah. So uh, it's not surprising that I also think that spanking your children is also uh, child abuse. So I want to talk about this because apparently 81% of people still agree with spanking. You know, a hmm. lot of, you know, you hear a lot of the, oh, I was spanked when I was a kid and I turned out fine. Okay, well, clearly you didn't because you're still hitting children and most people have severe mental and emotional trauma and, you know, all sorts of things. Some friend um, said to me recently, like, sometimes you just got to hit your kid and I was like, you just got to hit him or something like no, that. And I was like, you I know what, what it is? Say. Okay, so parents spank their children not to teach the child a lesson, not to, it's, Lazy parenting. It's because they're adults, getting their frustrated out, frustration yeah, out. I exactly. Think. So, like, it's a it's a physical outlet. It's like you, the parent, hasn't done the emotional and mental work to actually be a parent, and you know they they don't have their own emotional regulation skills. Um, and instead of having a conversation with their child or finding another civilized form of discipline or or some way to turn this into a learning experience, um, they hit their children. Um, and then, you know, it escalates from there. Like, some parents only hit their ch- children every once in a while to, you know, for discipline. What are, you know, you did something really bad and you get spanked. Um, but it kind of, it's like, where do you draw the line, right? Like, to me, like, then you have parents that spank their children, like, all the time. And then it turns into, like, very obvious child abuse. So I think I think that's it's just this lazy parenting, and um, it's just people that don't haven't developed those emotional regulation skills. Um, but this article is from the Jai Institute for Parenting, um, and the article says spanking is associated with a myriad of serious potential risks, not the least of which include developmental delays, harm to the brain, and embodied trauma. Although 81% of Americans approve of spanking as an appropriate method of discipline for children, the far-reaching effects of spanking are both alarming and problematic. So what's going on? Why is spanking a go-to to to addressing kids' behavior in the first place? 
And if it's so bad, why is no one talking about it? First, some empathy. If you're a parent, you know firsthand that parenting is just plain hard sometimes. Even the most gentle, peaceful parent can have days or weeks where they want to throw in the proverbial towel. We know that kids' behavior, be it toddler tantrums, parenting an angry child, or anything else the child brings to the relationship, can be incredibly triggering. Not to mention, we have to manage whatever our own stuff we might be dealing with. Especially if we're exhausted or otherwise low on the emotional resources, we want our kids to make our lives easier, not harder. I don't know who would ever think yeah, a child would make your life easier weird. because they, they wouldn't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I do feel bad for parents when I see a kid throwing a tantrum in a store. I, obviously, my first reaction is to be annoyed. But yeah. I, I try not to I try to put myself in their position because it's like you can't control. It's like a storm. Yeah. Um, you can't just make your kid never have a tantrum. It doesn't mean you're a bad kid if yeah. you have a tempered tantrum at three. Yeah, and I think um, I I think a certain to a certain extent, like the tantrums um could be like age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. Um, but I also think we're seeing a lot more tantrums because of screen time, mm-hmm. and there have been uh, you know other other studies that have shown that screen time and like the bright flashing color and the same things with toys that have bright Probably flashing colors. Too. Yeah. You know, um, I know a lot of people who cannot give their children artificial dyes, you know, things like Skittles, M&Ms, whatever, because their child, it like triggers like ADHD, like symptoms, um, extreme anger, hmm. really, you know, so they're seeing a lot of like emotional dysregulation and they can notice it immediately if they if they send you know their kid with grandma and the kid comes back and they're like what did you feed them oh you fed them this juice but it has the artificial dye in it and parents can if if they have eliminated this from their kid's diet they can pick it up instantly and they you know and it's not just in their head i mean the the child i even know children that are like i can't eat that because i don't feel good when i eat that so some parents argue that spanking only when their child is very young or only when the parent is no longer angry is an acceptable way to use the corporal corporal punishment. Science disproves that. Hmm. There's no situation ever when spanking doesn't provide far more negative and damaging consequences than the sometimes perceived win of changed behavior. Delayed development doesn't make exceptions for when the adult argues that the spanking was fine. Unintended effects of spanking. It harms the brain. The effects of spanking include a decline in children's mental health. Their brain literally can't function as well as it otherwise would. A child's subconscious simply can't comprehend that the same adult who loves them would physically harm them. Which doesn't Mm. make any sense at all. No. And and I, I use this example all the time because people always try to defend spanking. I'm like, if I smacked Matt in the face... You'd be like, that's abuse. Like, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. He's yeah. an adult. Oh, my gosh. He's an adult. So and he was this, doing what Nikki didn't want him to do. Yeah. So the, I'm just disciplining him. Yeah. So, he, this, so <laughs> I can't hit this grown man, but I can hit a little child? Hmm. Make it make sense. Yeah. Like, it doesn't. And it's like, okay, so it's just okay because you're targeting someone that's weaker than you? <laughs> oh, be, because you own them? Because you're their parent? 
all of these philosophies are completely disgusting. And, and it's surprising because you will get libertarian-leaning people, people who believe in peace and freedom, allegedly, and they're who all, are defending Kick this. The baby. Yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? So so I can't hit you. Like, we, we, it's like, you understand war is bad. You understand that, like, hitting other adults is bad, that violence is bad. Like, these people who believe in the non-aggression principle... But somehow spanking is different because it's I, I just don't get it. I don't get how people can like do the mental gymnastics to It's where people learn bad social habits in the first place. Parents taking out stuff on them and yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, I take notes over here for the after show stuff where I write um about little segments of or little subjects that we talked about on the show. And I wrote eighty one percent of people approve of beating kids. Yeah, like, I mean, apparently, yeah. yeah. So kids are literally wired to pursue connection with their trusted adults. We see it from the first moments of the child's life where they seek the warm embrace of their mother, searching for her eyes and her breast. As they grow, kids will continue to try to connect with her no matter what, even if it's damaging to their well-being. That is so sad. Hmm. Needless to say, spanking isn't exclusive to mothers. The point is that children biologically and naturally crave their primary caregiver's love, no matter who it is. A child's mental health, damaged by spanking, is not easy to recover once the relationship has suffered. Even a decade later, a child who was spanked only as a toddler may still be suffering the repercussions. Sarah in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind, Sarah? Oh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up this. Uh, I was just amazed that the New Beginnings Church, they sold their old building to the Maverick gas station. And then it turns out they... Um, um, their space is the old movie theater, and they winded up owning the whole shopping plaza, the the, the whole church? property. Yes, and so they're they're renting from the the, the church. I saw two huh. lease signs, and uh, I'm just uh, I, I mean it just I mean it just behooved me because uh, the church caters to like. Um, like homeless, they have homes. Their emphasis is giving food box. I mean, their congregation is pretty poor. I mean, I've been to that church. I didn't see any wealthy uh, members. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, how does this be? You know, they Wait, have- I'm confused, Sarah. Do you think people become extremely rich by renting commercial space in this economy? No, no, no. Before, it was just a, a regular church. There was no rental space. Now they winded up having a um, a movie theater. They turned into church, and they wind up buying like a there's thirty businesses. According to the whole property, they wind up owning that. I mean, so what do you think but, they're doing with the uh, with the revenue? Well, they they have they, they have four women's homes, and then they have four men's halfway homes, and then they have a place where they give out free food and clothes for the homeless. But the irony of it, most of the congregation that go to the church are poor people that need help. That um, That's what I'm bringing up. That's how, how ironic they winded up owning this whole property. Yeah. I don't so, think well, I maybe that's why, um, because I know, yeah, I, I've, I'm familiar with the church because of you calling in and talking about it. Um, and it, it does seem like they're actually, you know, some churches definitely aren't, aren't good and they're kind of money hungry. Um but this one, I mean, it does seem like they're doing, you know, quite a bit for the community. And I think that's awesome. 
So maybe since most of the people that are going to the church are low income, they probably don't have a lot of money to donate to these causes. I don't Mm -hmm. know how else they do like outsourcing and funding and stuff like that. But maybe the uh, the rental properties, uh, maybe that is funding all of these homeless shelters and and food drives and whatever else they're doing to try to help the community. Yeah. So my whole point is that, you know, God can work a miracle, you know, the the way that our logical mind that it's only makes sense if all the congregation were wealthy, all the people, how could this church prosper as much as it does unless it's blessed? So it's irony. You know what I mean? Whatever we think that is, it is, it doesn't make much sense to God. I mean, the God's ways of doing things and blessing and giving are completely contradictory to what we think is supposed to be. So Maybe that Sarah mean, is saying cool. that this is a good thing that they own these rental properties. No, that's what whole, it seemed like. I mean, I think it's. I don't. I don't have any. I thought she was saying it was bad. It. She said it behooved her. I think she was just surprised, right? Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, it's a it, nice, it's uh, a nice way to think of it. You know, blessing, blessing from God, probably. Well, Sarah, actually, I do have no? one uh, question for you. That's a little off topic from this church thing. Um, what do you think about Ted Libre, the caller from last night, saying that we don't owe you a single penny or a single thing not even a bus ride what do you think about that sarah he's talking about you yeah i i think he has got why should we give him anything for free you know when he um you know hits 62 he probably wants social security and medicaid if, no. if he has a, an accident or he he could be if he got hit by a car he might be on disability and uh, why should we give them anything? It's always uh, everybody's taking something from from you, but they never think that you're the one that's going to be needing help and getting um, help of somebody else. So, J Institute of Parenting, what is the better way? If you wonder, how will kids know they've done something wrong if they don't feel the pain of some sort of consequence? Further, you might wonder, do you mean that I should go from spanking to dot, 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 nothing? How is that going to work? Peaceful parenting is not permissive. Children do need boundaries. The difference lies in the connection-based relationship. Realistic consequences. Parenting without punishments. Many parents, many parenting support resources can offer you ideas about everything from empowered discipline methods to anger management strategies. Indeed, consequences do exist in gentle parenting, but not in the way that many parents realize. Be it for toddler discipline or working with an older child, the consequences applied in peaceful parenting have no long-term negative outcomes and are still highly effective teachers. Positive, empowered parenting requires a reframe from wanting children to behave because they're afraid of what might happen if they don't to parenting them in a way that helps them naturally want to collaborate with their caregivers. It requires a shift from violence, which is anything that causes physical, emotional, or spiritual harm, to nonviolent communication strategies. Indeed, it is a major shift. It's also completely within your reach, no matter your history, and it's never too late. Some parents might wonder if a connection-based relationship where adults and children mutually want to do well for each other is even possible. I invite you to be open to the idea that it is possible. I also invite you to, with an open mind and an open heart, consider the possibilities of what that connection might feel like. Repair and recovery is always possible. 
the negative effects of spanking may be many folds, but so are the positive effects of healing. And I love, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it here, but like, I love that concept of like, it doesn't need to be a punishment. I like reframing it into like teaching experiences. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is an opportunity for learning and growth. Um, and I think like the fear-based parenting and like, listen, this is how we, you know, have this world full of spineless statists, right? Because like from childhood, even their parents are teaching them like that the, the, the person that's essentially taking care of you is, you know, you need to fear them and you need to obey them and you, you question it. Well, why? Because I said so. Yeah. And that's the same crap that the government pulls on us. And those, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, the government, they're here to protect us with the military. They're here to, to you know, feed us when we're poor and provide us health care. And, and even though they do some really terrible, awful things, well, you can show me a million examples of them doing really terrible, awful things, but we need them. They, they need to be bad in order to keep people in line. That's how people rationalize it. And it's the same. I mean, you can like even pull religion into this where you, you know, you have the stories of God, like smiting children in like mm. drowning villages and whatever else happened in the Old Testament. You know, it's like, you know, my my, you know, the the person or whatever the the deity, the entity that you're worshiping the most is like. This evil guy that is Raining like sulfur on your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Turning like, your wife what? into a pillar of salt. So, I mean, that makes like the child abuse that some, you know, like, I mean, that makes it seem like pretty, pretty low level, you know, and then so, so yeah, I, I think it's just conditioned in us from a young age. Um, and I don't think that's beneficial. So, at but all. I mean, what about, you know, I mean, what, when we have kids, I, I mean, what if we just skip the rototiller and just have our kid pull the plow? I mean, we got to teach him a work ethic somehow, right? I mean, I, I, uh, but would what that is be that? A, would that I be don't abusive? Know what no, it's like a gardening tool. Yeah. It, it like tills the the soil. Um, I don't think that working is abuse. All right, so they can pull a. No, plow. I think like my point is like don't yell at your kid. I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, I, I, I yell. What about you know what, about, yell, you what know? about working a kid as punishment? Go stack wood. That's well, I, but I think that might be. I, I think there's a way to reframe that from punishment to learning experience. So I think you know whatever needs to be taught based on the action of the child that was undesirable. The, the learning you know the, what happens next like that learning experience needs to be relative to, you know, so like if the kid breaks the TV, then it needs to be some like, okay, well then you're going to have to like fix the TV or either fix it or you're going to have to like, yeah, work to, to pay it back. You know what I mean? You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com.